The information contained within this podcast does not consider your personal circumstances and is of a general nature only. You should not act on it without first obtaining professional financial advice specific to your circumstances. Paul Atherton is an ex-Wall Street advisor on a mission to help young people win back their financial power, wealth and security. He does this by helping them understand the hidden world of finance, risk and investments, helps them figure out how it impacts them and to seize the opportunities to make it work to their advantage. This is Paul Street Journal. I'm here this morning with Paul Atherton. How are you, Paul? Yeah, I'm good, Tim. It's good to hear. I'm really curious to know, how are you feeling about the global economy? Oh, yeah. Good, good question, yeah. Like, I think I, I give so many people so many warnings that uh, people t- kind of tend to uh, think I'm somewhat uh, maybe mildly negative or pessimistic about the, the market, but it's actually absolutely not true. I'm very positive. Um, I just try and help people not make some of the mis- some more obvious mistakes. But, yeah, I, I think we're in an incredibly exciting time. And, um, you know, I... One of the, there's a great quote by Peter Lynch, and I'll, I'll quote it to you. More money has been lost trying to anticipate and protect from corrections than actually in them. So more money, and I'm, I really believe in that. The, the, one of the worst things that, that, that can, the, one of the worst states of mind to, to negatively impact your uh, wealth is being a, a pessimist. Like optimists always win in the market because over the long run, the stock market does incredibly well so one of the worst things you can do from a wealth creation perspective is feel nervous all the time listen to all the doomsayers and uh, just step out of the market i mean we just had a gfc right 10 years ago and it was like the worst meltdown we've had in 80 years and we stand here today in uh, you know at the back end of nine years of a bull market and i know people that have been stayed out of the market because just because I've been so fearful since the uh, GFC, which is a shame. So stay stay optimistic is, is the answer. But let me tell you why. Because if you look at the last couple of hundred years, well, what have we had? We've had these things what I call what is known as market disruptions. You know, we've had these huge market disruptions and it had a massive positive impact on, on our life and the global economy and the GDP and therefore the stock market. If we were and just going back to the year 1900 and if you took a picture of fifth avenue and there is a great picture i've seen it recently where you know, there's that uh, if you looked at uh, down the street on fifth avenue you'd see only horses right? horse-drawn carriages and uh, and why wouldn't you because for the preceding thousand since before 1900 for the preceding thousand years or ten thousand years everything was powered by horses a horse was a mode of transportation and then, can you imagine the market disruption of the internal combustion engine? So there's a picture then, about 10 years later, of every single car on the road is, is an internal combustion engine car. So all the horses are gone, and they're all replaced by a modern car. Now, what this requires is a total build-out of a new industry, a new manufacturing industry, the oil industry, mm. building out all the roads, all the infrastructure massive massive development had to take place just to accommodate this new new world and it happened all within 10 years you see people forget see disruptions happen really really quickly and the classic story as i tell is that in 1985 at&t which was the behemoth in the telecommunications industry did this study and they said they they got um, mckinsey i think they paid the best and the brightest they said look we've got this new thing called a mobile phone we've seen it it's 
shaped somewhat like a brick. And uh, we think it's going to be popular, but, you know, you tell us. Go do your research. And they did. So they came back, you know, after studying and researching, pouring all the hours of the best and the brightest. These are people in the industry, by the way. This is their bread and butter. It's what they do. And they came back and they said, listen, AT&T, by the year 2000, we're expecting... 900,000 mobile phones on the market. Now, if you want to know what the real number was, it was 109 million, right? <laughs> so how could you possibly be that far off? <laughs> like, it just boggles the mind. Now, of course, a more recent one, my, my, one of my favorites is the iPhone, right? And mm. that came out, and I don't know if you remember, but I remember reading, it, you know, uh, there was a classic quote from the CEO of Microsoft at the time, Steve Barmer. Um, you said, you know, it's going to be a big loser. You like guarantee it. Why? Because it's very expensive. And now, of course, with all within ten years, probably even less. You know, everybody's on a, the smartphone, right? Mm-hmm. So, Google came out with uh, Android and uh, iPhone. Of course, same time. No, no surprise there. So this complete market disruption. Nokia, which was reigning king, dead, like gone. Same with uh, BlackBerry, if you remember them. So. So market disruptions are massive, and what it does to the global economy is phenomenally positive. I mean, it's just massive. So, and there, there are more di- market disruptions happening. And the reason you don't f- understand, they go, I don't, I don't feel like there's a, a new iPhone. What's the new new thing? Well, here, here it is, because it follows an S curve. So there's slowly, slowly improvements. Like, and I say slowly, actually, there's significant improvements, but. It doesn't impact your life until one day it does. And when it does, that's when market disruption happens. So, and I'll just go down two industries, the energy and transportation sector. Now, because of the just continuous improvements of battery storage and the continuous improvement of uh, solar energy, the, the, the rate at which they can store solar energy and capture that has been improving close to... Uh, doubling every uh, two years. Close to doubling every two years. So can you imagine that? If you close to double every two years, what does that mean? Well, i tell you what it means. So a regular combustion car in the United States would cost, I use the United States because this is the numbers I've, I've seen, so you'll have to scale that for Australia prices, but to run a car would cost about $15,000 per five years. Okay, so that's about 3000 a year. About fifty odd dollars a week, so I don't know. That's that's probably quite cheap for me as a cheap car. Um, maybe it's somewhat double that here. But point is, for electrical energy, yeah. So if I were to store that energy and now use it, now it's going to cost me. Any guess? One has mm. a guess. All right, I'll tell you. So fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. So now you've just done a ten x. Now, that changes the equation. Now, there are some say that are saying it's going to come down to, now get this, this is a classic, right? $150. So we're talking 100x. Over five years. So over five years. So effectively free, right? <laughs> now, what is that? Like? So I, an example I give to people is, imagine you went into uh, McDonald's and ordered a burger for $5, and they said, gee, you know, you came at a good time because we just made this new process, and the burgers are now five cents. <laughs> Imagine if you called up a pizza that's normally $20 and they said, you know, you've called us at a great time. Pizzas are now 20 cents. So what do you do? What does that do? Like, how transformative is that? 
it just changes everything. And the thing is, and this is about electrical vehicles, right? So you change from an internal combustion engine to electrical vehicles. You've changed from $15,000 over a, over a five-year period to $1,500 or maybe even less. But to make an electrical car, now mm. this is a fantastic thing. So my little uh, car that I parked outside, Tim, has about 2,000 moving components, right? So you need, to do that, you need a serious company. Usually most of these companies were originally at one stage backed by a government, you know? Mm. You know, mm. there's government backing, there's serious money behind this, okay? How many moving components do you think there are in an electrical car? Is it one? No, not quite. There's more. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, we mean the, the there motors. Are, there are about bit. 20. Okay. Yeah? Brushes so now we're stuff. down mm. to 100 times again. Okay, so there's 20 times. Now, that changes who can make an electrical car, right? That changes the whole landscape. Now, pretty much anybody does. So there was a case where this university... University students built a car that built the Porsche Spider, and I think the Porsche Spider is the fastest zero to zero to one hundred or zero to sixty, as our American friends say, uh, zero in about three-ish seconds. And they built an electrical car. University students that did it in about one point six eight. I mean, that's the type of that's the type of acceleration that would hurt, I would suppose. Yeah. <laughs> now, what does this mean that if university students? Well, guess what? So I think this is a classic. Is Dyson the manufacturer of vacuum cleaners is getting into the electrical car business. Wow. So the, the game has completely changed. So we've got energy, storage, mobility. We've got the ability to manufacture cars. We've got a storage of energy doubling every year. Sorry, every two years at the pace. And it's going to happen quick because these things do not happen slow. Remember what they said about the iPhone? Remember what they... I can just imagine what they would have said about the car. No one's going to replace my horse, you mm. know. Mm. I can just picture that. So this is coming along and it's coming on very quickly. Now, there are estimations. So I did a bit of research on this. What this sh- new revolution in just energy and transportation is going to happen on the global economy. And it's probably about $2 trillion. Now, I personally think it's probably going to be an underestimation because we always do, we underestimate. $2 trillion, so that's much larger than the Australian economy. You know, it's- It's it w- unfathomable. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna happen in 10 years, right? So, and I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying go out and buy Tesla shares. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, if this happens, you know, that's great news. If anything like this happens, the boost to the global economy is, is gonna be profound. And that means you've got to be in the stock market in some capacity to, to partake in the new re- you know, revolution, the new market disruption. So be in it. Far out. That's uh, very, very interesting. Well, thank you for your, your opinions and feelings. And no problem. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Paul Street Journal.